You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's a Monday night edition of Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. As you know, all of our guests appear on the Shell Penzo performance line. And uh, we're going to get you guys involved early on. You can be part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. The college football season is heating up. So is your favorite Dr. Pepper loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice cold 20 ounce Dr. Pepper today. Monday Night Football coming up in a little bit. Obviously, we'll have a lot of attention on that. I'll have a lot of attention on that as the Browns take on the Ravens in a game that now has tremendous meaning to me, Sarah, because I spent a lot of yesterday watching my favorite team, my beloved beloved Raiders just get thumped and now they don't mm. control their own destiny I need the Ravens to lose tonight otherwise I'm gonna drink even more peppermint vodka as I try and holiday <laughs> wash away my sadness I just tried peppermint uh man I'm gonna blank it I can never remember what's the name of the like creamy oh rum chata peppermint yes. rum chata. oh yeah, yeah I can never order. remember the name rum chata but I just tried some peppermint rum chata in a hot cocoa yesterday Delicious. Yesterday, I was was going peppermint vodka, peppermint schnapps, and peppermint rum chata all in the same pepperminty drink with a little splash of peppermint mocha You sure it wasn't just mouthwash? You doing okay, friends? (laughs) No, not after that butt whooping. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it it resulted in a coach being fired. Um, And and kind of not surprisingly, because the, the Raiders' defense has been a problem all season. They haven't looked better um, since Gruden arrived, it's it's been consistently a problem, and they don't leave you any room for error on the offensive side. That's why I heard this uh, with the amazing Bill Barnwell, who's going to join us later. Under Gruden, the Raiders are eighteen and nine when they win or tie the turnover battle. They're zero and eighteen when they have more giveaways than takeaways. Now, usually a team is going to play better when they win the turnover battle, but it's not usually that stark. That's because the offense is what keeps this game, uh, team going, and if they make any sort of error. And give the ball away. It just stresses an already weak defense. So, were you surprised by the firing? No, I mean it's in, a short fact, week. They play Thursday. In fact, last night one of my buddies that works with the Raiders asked me if I would come on the podcast uh, that the Raiders do right after the game. So uh, we we taped one last night. And after in all the, that, peppermint? yeah. Know, well, you know, I, I told him as long as my speech isn't too slurred, I'll go. Uh, the funny thing is, as we were sitting there on the podcast, he said, "What has to happen?" And I said, "The impossible," because Paul Gunther, the defensive coordinator of the Raiders, is a close personal friend of John Gruden, and I said, mm. "Until Paul." Paul Gunther is gone. I believe that these players are incapable of playing in the scheme, and I believe that he's done a poor job of of really acclimating his defense to the players he has. And so, what do you know? I got a text an hour later, and he's like, "From your words to yeah, from your lips you to God's it. ears." Like, uh, but I, I think unfortunately for John Gruden. He held on for so long, and the $10 million man here held on to a coach that I think has yep. been in some ways a detriment to the team. So Sometimes uh, that loyalty will kill you, unfortunately. Um, and, and, and what's wild, too, is your team lost in a, te- in a game that they absolutely needed and in a division that they're fighting for and, and in a playoff race that they want. Meanwhile, I finally wanted my team to lose. Like I was like, <laughs> okay, Bears, you know what's going to be better? Just lose out. You've lost six in a row already. Why not make it seven? And then you can get a better draft pick because you're not going anywhere. In fact, if you recall, this is what I said about the Bears on Friday. And then you ask yourself, can this team be bad enough to lose seven straight games after starting out five and one? And the answer is absolutely. They absolutely can. Uh, So the Bears are going to lose to the Texans because Deshaun Watson is fantastic. He will be the best player out on the field, uh, better than Mack or Quinn or anybody else is playing. And, you know, the Bears' deep depression over having passed on Deshaun Watson while they stare at Mitchell Trubisky, Trubiskying his way through this game, will only make things more painful when they lose. Texans beat the Bears. Right, so Trubiskying apparently is... 24 of 33 for 267 yards and three touchdowns, I guess. Um, Got that one wrong. Uh, The only pick I got wrong, well, other than that Eagles game, which we'll get to. uh, It's just fits when I finally picked against the Bears and actually thought it'd be better if they lost, they won. And isn't that just the way this season is gone? I mean, I was watching that that game on one of the the, (laughs) humble brag on one of my TVs in the living room. I was watching (laughs) that game, and I was sitting there the whole time thinking, "This has got to be maddening." If you're a Bears fan, to see Mitchell Trubisky come out and play that way 
with that much control in that situation, and uh, you know, as much as we can pin a lot of it on how bad the Texans have become, when you see that glimmer of hope, that is, it's the ultimate. I use this analogy this time of year all the time. It's the ultimate Charlie Brown. Like you're running up to kick the football, it gets moved, and you're like, ah, me again. Like that's what's <laughs> what's happening here because there's just enough sexy there for you to decide you want to go on another date, and if you go on another date, you're going to be right back into the bad relationship. One hundred percent. We can't do that. Uh, you know, I heard earlier uh, Trubisky. He's still 26th in the league in yards per attempt. This is not a guy who can make the big plays, the explosive plays. He's not going to play this well against a good defense. This is a trash Texans defense. This is exactly like you said, one of those dates where you're about to break up with them, and then they're like, surprise, we're going front row to the Rolling Stones. And you're like, ah, maybe one or two more dates. Um, it was bad. It was bad. And that's the only game I got wrong is we continue to be great in our picks. I'm up something around 58 and 19 on the year. And the ones I keep missing are the stupid bears who can't beat the trash lions and then score 30 plus points against the Texans who are not a good team, but still, uh, the only other one I got wrong fits was saints Eagles. And I just want to remind you of how we thought this was going to go. Here's what you said about saints Eagles. I'm going to go with a little bit of New Orleans love here uh, oh, because, okay. you know, because Taysom Hill's the future. No, because no. Jalen Hurts isn't the future for Philly mm. right now in this oh. moment. Uh, Philly is going to go out and just get rolled by New Orleans. They're not putting Hurts in a situation to be successful either. So I don't like anything that's happening in Philly. Yeah. So I also think Whoever that person is that impersonates me is so good. <laughs> Like that, uh, is, like I didn't know Caliendo had learned my voice yeah, so well. It's got to be him. Got to be him. Uh, he also does an impression of me. This is what I sounded like on Friday. <laughs> I do think there's always that outside shot of the first big start for a player, and the other team doesn't really know quite what to expect, and there's a surprise there. Uh, and there's certainly a chance that with Taysom's uh, inability to keep the the ball, his fumble ruskies, uh, that they could. Give the, the, the Eagles a real shot in this one. I still have New Orleans. I'm just not as confident as you are that it'll be ugly for her. Oh, wow, okay. your analysis was spot on. Right? Like, you should have just cut the ending of that off when you said it's still I, I wanted to be fair. I almost did. I almost cut off the ending and didn't reveal that I still picked the Saints. But... Come on. I mean, you're uh, way this... more of a grown-up than I am. Like, Taysom Hill fumbled <laughs> the ball away. I mean, he fumbled the game away, and Jalen Hurts absolutely looked like somebody they had no clue how to – how to. it's like they never watched a single game of his college career because they looked lost on how to stop it. You are spot on, Sarah. Thank you. I really wanted to take credit for that. As soon as that game was happening, I was, like, remembering the show, and I was like, remember how Fitz was, like, they're putting him in a terrible position. This is never going to work. <laughs> Got to go find the sound. Oh, my God. Uh, I just, I'm curious, uh, you know, not, 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 you know, we all we all have our picks. And I have plenty that were wrong, including the one about the Bears. But uh, what did you make of, of that? The one thing I would say is this. Remember early in the year when we watched Cam Newton for the first couple of games and nobody mm-hmm. knew what to expect from that Patriots offense. And the conversation then was, wow, you better lock Cam in now to a big deal because mm-hmm. you're never going to be able to resign him. And now today it's like, eh, like I, the thing with Jalen Hurts is last night uh, or yesterday he he really absolutely it looked like the Saints had no idea how to defend him. Now that people have a little bit of tape, this is always my thing with young quarterbacks. What is everybody going to do to adjust to Jalen Hurts, and how much will Jalen Hurts be able to adjust to them? So I'm not going to go do a bunch of naked cartwheels in the streets. But if I'm a Philly fan, I feel pretty good about what I saw from one game. If I'm a New Orleans fan, I'm stunned that I watched my team get flat out out coached throughout the course of that game. Yeah. I, I completely agree, and I think it it sets into a number of things into motion. Number one, it, how, how good can Taysom Hill really be? Are you still feeling confident? And then two, how many more games do you need to see from Hertz where he's successful to feel okay cutting Wentz and knowing that you're not going to put yourself in a position where the guy that you're depending on and allowing all that dead cap money for uh, isn't any good either. Uh, so lots lots to get to. And there were a lot of takes on all those things. So we'll get to that later in the show when we do Good Take, Hot Take. Yeah, we'll review some people's takes. Also, by the way, quickly, I will say it's it's at least awesome to watch the Eagles and the Washington football team out there playing like they care. You know, as much right. as we've, we've trashed the NFC East, these were two teams that did not lay down over the weekend. We got a lot to break in to break down in the world of the NFL. But coming up, we'll get to a huge story out of baseball you might have missed. We'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. 
Jason Fitzsarris Bain. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Shell Penzo Performance Line, and we've got a lot of football to get into. Obviously, it's a Monday night. We've got Monday night football to get into. We'll review some of the hot takes uh, or good takes that have come from some of our uh, brothers and sisters on ESPN over the course of the day. We'll do all of that, but before we get to any of it, a little piece of news that may have uh, missed your radar that's important, and it's some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, and it comes from Cleveland, where the Cleveland Indians are changing their name. So we do know at this point uh, their owner has come out and said that after months of internal discussions and meetings with groups, including Native Americans, who've sought to have the team stop using a moniker many deem racist, the American League franchise is dropping the name as it has been known since 1915. Now, we do know that they'll continue to use that name through the 2021 season, electing not to go the path of the Washington football team, but starting after the 2021 season, they will have a new nickname. And Sarah, I mentioned the Washington football team because this sort of hit me as I was looking at the news yesterday and realizing that a few months ago, it felt so foreign to say Washington football team. Now, I watch it on Sundays. It doesn't even hit my ears as a strange thing. I mean, as I watch it happen, as I listen to it, as I hear people say it, it just feels natural. So for anyone that feels jarred in this moment to think, oh my God, Cleveland's going to be called something else, I would argue that within a span of weeks, months, as soon as games are being played, uh, all of a sudden, what feels weird now feels normal, and that's a good thing. I agree. I, I would say that fans of that team would argue differently, right? You're not a Washington football team fan. So for you, you have to Very learn fair. how to say it on the air and, and use it when you're in discussions of the team and analysis, but you don't have a bunch of gear and you don't you know, associate memories. Um, I, I just think it doesn't have to be comfortable. It doesn't have to be easy. It doesn't have to be something that comes without there being a bit of sadness for, for people who associate their memories and their uh, fandom with a name. I think that the Chicago Blackhawks are coming soon. I think the Braves, I think the Seminoles, I think a whole bunch of other teams are soon going to follow suit. And when it comes into your house, it feels a little different. And I'll tell you that as of a couple years ago, even maybe even last year, when people would ask about the Blackhawks, they would say, oh, that's different. That's paying you know reverence to a specific tribe and it's different than the word redskin, which is an actual slur. Like, it's very clear why the redskin name is different. And now, after hearing from a number of Native American people uh, who have been campaigning against this, these names for years, I get it. They, they go through social science research and how it affects young American Indian and Native people um, and, and the consequences that it has on them psychologically and socially and culturally to basically be stereotyped and grouped as mascots and caricatures. And if you use a different example, one that we're not used to hearing and we haven't heard our whole lives, it suddenly feels very different. The Chicago Blacks, the New York Asians, the, the Los Angeles uh, uh, Filipinos, right? Just pick anything. It doesn't sound normal for a mascot of a team that's going to play against a bear or a dragon or a banana slug to be a group of human beings that then are reduced to the very basic and often false stereotypes associated with them. And in our country particularly fits the things that we associated with Native Americans, like being savages, was the result of us stealing their land and killing them all. What do you think they're going to act like, right? And then it was also how they were painted, even when they were peaceful, in order to make white people feel better about murdering them. So, like, everything that's associated with what we thought this was when, we, when it was invented 105 years ago, or however long it's been, for the Indians, is incredibly problematic and always was. It's just that we're now finally willing to come to terms with the things that we've said were okay just because they were always like that. And you make a very fair point. Uh, as a fan of the Raiders, if the Raiders changed their nickname and their logo and everything that came with it, I think even through relocation, it's easy to remain a Raiders fan because I'm a fan of that logo and that name. So it, it's a very fair point that for Cleveland baseball fans, uh, there, there's nothing minimal about this uh, name change. You're absolutely right. Uh, for for the majority of people that talk about it, uh, I think – you know, for a lot of people, they come back and they say, well, it's just a baseball name, to uh, just a team name, to which I say, hey, you know, if, frankly, if your team name offends somebody, and, and this is something that I've said for a long time, like if it's offensive to somebody, why not change it? That, that That's just part of my mindset. I'm much more easygoing when it comes to this stuff than I think a lot of people are in general. That being said, I think with everything you just said, 
and the history that comes behind it. That's why it seems strange to me to come out and say, hey, we're going to change the nickname, but we're going to keep using it today for the next year while we figure out the new name because we don't want to be anything in the interim. I respect that. But if you're acknowledging, I I respect that you don't want to change your name multiple times, but if you're acknowledging right now that the name itself is offensive and doesn't belong, like if it was the Cleveland F words and they finally woke up and was like, oh, it can't be that. I mean, you're going to keep using that like... You're going to keep using the word for the next year while you figure out what it is going to be? I mean, they've had months to study this and figure mm-hmm. it out. And I realize that trademark law is a big part of why these things can take a long time. But it seems weird to me to, to just come out and say, hey, we're going to continue to be the Cleveland Indians for the next year. And then we'll figure out our new nickname. All of that is it strikes me as making this entire move a little disingenuous. I don't know that it makes the whole move disingenuous. I just think it isn't as clean as it should be. Once you've acknowledged that it shouldn't be in existence anymore, once you've listened to the many different voices that have said this is not okay, and you've announced that you're moving, then do what Washington did. It's not ideal. It's not perfect to be the Cleveland baseball team. But to your point, it doesn't then muddy the waters about why you're being sensitive to the issue, why you're deciding to make the change and why it's well past time to do so. Do do it, make the decision and and live in a little bit of that gray area for a season. I'm curious though, Fitz, you know, what we did this with Washington, the football team as well, like what are all the names that are going to be thrown out? We're still waiting for it. We're still waiting to hear what Washington will choose. In in Cleveland, there's a ton of great suggestions, one of which is the Spiders, which was the original name of the baseball team in Cleveland. And that's a ballsy, awesome name. That's cool. The logo's cool. Everything about it was was pretty badass. So I, I don't know. I think you, you could go back to that we, and it would like, feel like a very authentic, organic name. Why is there? Why is that not a more common name across? Spiders. All, yeah, spiders. Like that should be. I mean, yeah, I'm all in on spiders. Like, I mean, for, frankly, if I'm going to go with Cleveland, I'd go with the Ralphies after a Christmas story. Let's remember, Christmas story <laughs> house is in Cleveland. Like, let's just let's just go all in. No, like, or the Cleveland too much, leg lamps. There's too much or, puking during okay. moments when they choke. Oh, oh, oh Ralph. Yeah. I don't think you can yeah, do that. That's probably fair. Uh, you know, <laughs> the Cleveland, the, the, think about what Cleveland's famous for, the Christmas story house, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, and, so the Cleveland Rocks. Yeah, and the Cleveland Rocks. I mean, but I don't know, spiders, uh, I'm suddenly sitting here trying to figure out why spiders isn't a yeah. popular nickname amongst all professional sports like i wonder it, if there's fire. stigma associated with it the same way there is for snakes like i wonder if there's any chance that there's there used to be a lot more true belief that it was like a curse or something that would you know negatively be viewed but i'm sure there's other names that we haven't thought of too so hit us up uh, uh, on and, and get involved in the spain and fitz nation <laughs> on the uh, twitter feed dr pepper feed at sarah spain at jason fitz at spain and fitz what name should be the new name for the Cleveland baseball team? I think we could crowdsource this and come up with some good ones. Yeah, well, and if we name it, do we get free swag? Like, you know me, I'm always in oh for the free gosh, swag. Oh my gosh, this I mean, again? I mean, come on. First like, of all, we've been, how long is it? have we known each other? A couple years now. You yeah. still haven't picked a baseball team. Well, you keep, you keep flirting with the Cubs, but nope. you never actually take them out on a date. Have you ever seen, anybody, like, nobody sent me a box of swag? Like, I am here to be bought, no, people. All I need is feet. just a box of free stuff. That's a free stuff. It's just everything for me. That's some straight talk. Straight talk wireless. No contracts, no compromise. Unless I'm compromising over free stuff, in which case, I'll, I'll compromise. I don't know. I'm not proud of it either. Coming up, we'll bring in an expert to tell us what he thought about Jalen Hurts' <laughs> first NFL start. That's next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. This is off to do his uh, Monday Night Football digital show, cheating on me as he always does on Mondays, but that's fine because I got an upgrade joining me now. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and the host of the Bill Barnwell Show podcast. Bill Barnwell joins me now. Before we even get to all the conversation about the games, Bill, I want to thank you for always coming on the show because I believe that your Sunday-Monday schedule might be one of the weirdest and most strenuous in our business. Can you kind of give a very quick summation of how you go from watching games all day to doing ESPN daily to maybe not sleeping to ending up here? Sure, why not? I mean, you know, listen, I have a great job. I get to watch football all day. They pay me for it. I'm never going to complain about that. But on a typical (laughs) Sunday, I would say watching the games till about 11, writing about an hour, taping ESPN Daily with Pablo Torre, which you listen to every day, uh, on your favorite podcast. 
uh, application. And then I write from about 1 a.m. till about 5 or 6 a.m. Typically, mm. uh, editor puts it up. I sleep for a few hours, wake up, walk my dog, have lunch. And then several hours later, I find myself sitting on my couch talking to Sarah Spain and getting ready for Monday Night Football. So I'm never going to complain. But yeah, about 20 of those a year. It, 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 I lose a little bit of sleep. Yeah, that's remarkable. And the work that you put out is so good and so comprehensive. Once again today, listening to you with Pablo Torre, I'm, I'm hearing all these stats that just really help explain things so much better. Let's start with that Eagles win. I said on Friday that I anticipated the possibility of the Saints not knowing what to expect. There's always room for that in the first start for a new quarterback. Fitz thought it was going to be a blowout and that they were putting him in a bad position. Tell us a little bit about what you actually saw from Jalen Hurts in that game. Are you sure that Fitz should be hosting the Monday Night Football show and not you? Because I feel like... I mean... I feel like your insight here is maybe a little better than Fitz's was. I, That's yeah, nothing I new, mean, really. I, I, <laughs> somewhere between you two guys. Like, I kind of figured there would be some stuff the Saints weren't expecting, but then I thought, you know, if anyone should know what a running quarterback who does have a lot of experience might do, it should be the New Orleans Saints because... They have Taysom Hill, who is on his fourth career start. If anything, they should know exactly what the Eagles are going to run because it should be a lot of the same stuff the Saints are running. And that turned out to be the case. They ran a lot of you know, the same quarterback running concepts, um, a lot of the same simple passing concepts that the Saints are running with Taysom Hill, a very inexperienced quarterback. And the Eagles had a lot of success. Of course, they had that 82-yard touchdown run. Jalen Hurts was really effective as a scrambler, but Honestly, the biggest difference between Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz was not the running. It was not any passing. It was the mistakes and the lack of mistakes from Jalen Hurts. Carson Wentz, I mean, he's been sacked at least three times in each of his starts. I think he has 19 turnovers in 12 mm-hmm. games. I and mean, the guy just puts the Eagles in terrible situations on third down. And with Jalen Hurts, wasn't perfect, had that late fumble, had the interception drop maybe, but overall did a very effective job, wasn't sacked once, wasn't in situations where he was putting the ball in danger. Again, the fumble happened at the end, but for the vast majority of this game against one of the best defenses in football, Jalen Hurts was putting his offense in easy situations, which is why the Eagles were able to go for it so frequently on fourth and one, why they were able to run the ball so frequently and not have to throw with a mediocre offensive line against a great pass rush on third and long. So Jalen Hurts, it was almost about what he didn't do more than what he actually ended up doing for the Eagles. Uh, To your point about setting up your defense to be in a position of success, one of the teams that has needed that Mm -hmm. so much is the Raiders. The numbers that you gave Mm -hmm. on ESPN Daily about the Raiders, when they don't win the turnover battle or don't at least tie, they're 0-18 when they give the ball Mm -hmm. away more than they get it from the opposing team. And that comes down to setting up an already bad defense with more challenges. And so we see their defensive coordinator get fired How reasonable is it to think that this is the beginning of yet another late season slide for this team? Or is there a chance you see them getting back to what we saw early in the season and working their way toward the playoffs? I mean, I think they're already in the slide, right? They've lost three of their last four. Their only victory was against the Jets on that Hail Mary. I mean, they're one Hail Mary away from losing four straight. This is a team that beat the Chiefs, that beat the Saints, and beat the Saints comfortably early in the season with Drew Brees at quarterback. Like, I, I don't understand how the defense can be so bad. And maybe that's why John Gruden fired Paul Gunther on a short week, by the way. They play on Thursday. It's not even like the, the new coordinator, Rod Marignani, has a full week to kind of change things. I mean, there's been so many issues with this defense. There's been so many guys who either have been free agents who came here or came to Las Vegas who have not been better, who have actually gotten significantly worse, like Corey Littleton. Um, the draft picks they've had in the first round, Jonathan Abram, Clellan Farrell, those guys have not lived up to expectations. So, I mean, at this point, I think, you know, John Gruden panicked. I think he basically said, you know what? I, I see the same thing you just mentioned, that I did have another late-season schneid. I mean, we got to change something just to give us a shot. And I look at their schedule. They play the Chargers on Thursday. They play the Dolphins on Saturday uh, the following week, and then the Broncos in Week 17 at Denver on, uh, to finish up the year. And I think that, number one, they have to win that Dolphins game, of course. And, and the Dolphins, we saw the Dolphins played the Chiefs tough yesterday. The Dolphins are a really scary football team and a team that's so effective when it comes to creating takeaways. So, you know, I, I do think that the defense has to be more aggressive, they have to take more risks, have to try and maybe blitz more and try and create more opportunities to um, create those takeaways because 
you know, unless the offense is perfect, which it can be at times, sort of this knowing it's going to be perfect, the defense just doesn't have any margin for error uh, to hold up and, and sort of hold it during the bargain. And I really feel like for the Raiders, they probably cost themselves a playoff spot with this really miserable three-game stretch. Quickly, Bill, and Bill Barnwell of the Bill Barnwell Show podcast is on with us. We saw this last year with the Raiders. They lost five of their last six games. Now, like you mentioned, they're a Hail Mary away from having lost four straight here as the second half of the season goes on. Is that a coaching thing? Is that on Gruden that other teams are adjusting to them after seeing them earlier in the season and, and then later in the year they're not presenting enough surprises or they're, they're, they're you know, telegraphing what they want to do? I don't think it's – the thing is Gruden is so much of an offensive coach that I feel like it is the defense. And I think Gruden has sat there and said, okay, we're going to add, you know, these pieces to our defense. By the end of the year, things are going to coalesce. We're going to improve. And it didn't happen last year, and obviously it's not happening this year. Hmm. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain. Jason Fitz will be back soon. Bill Barnwell with me talking about the weekend in the NFL. Gardner Minshew now to start again for the Jags. Uh, what does the future look like for this 1-12 Jacksonville team? I mean, they have two first-round picks. That's a good start, right? You know, you figure the Jets are probably getting Trevor Lawrence. They flirted with the idea of blowing their opportunity at Trevor Lawrence, but even the Jets couldn't screw it up for themselves. So <laughs> you figure they're going to get Trevor Lawrence. The, the Jaguars are going to have the opportunity to grab a couple different quarterbacks with the second or third overall pick. Um, there's some stuff to like here. There's going to be some cap space. There's enough offensive and defensive infrastructure to kind of build around maybe some core pieces. It's not going to be like a Jet-style total rebuild, or even the rebuild the Jaguars had seven or eight years ago. I think that they can turn things around quickly, but there were some reports this weekend that Doug Marone is going to stick around as head coach. I don't think you can do that. I think you have to make a clean break from that team from a couple of years ago. You know, fire everybody. They already fired Doug. Uh, they call on their GM. Fire Marone. Rebuild your team. And I think bringing a coach who's going to develop that quarterback, I don't know who that necessarily is, but obviously, you know, Eric Bieniemy is the first guy that comes to mind. Bill, let's talk about the Washington football team. Thankfully, looks like yeah. just a calf injury for Kirk Cousins, but that Giants team that everyone thought was going to make a run, eh, probably not. And now it feels mm. like the ball's in Washington's court to win that division. What are you seeing? Yeah, I think it's really going to come down to whether Alex Smith is healthy because we saw in that game yesterday, number one, when Alex Smith wasn't 100%, they really struggled. Alex Smith was really struggling, wasn't able to move the ball on offense. And then number two, they bring in Dwayne Haskins off the bench. Dwayne Haskins was not good. That offense really bogged down. I mean, the defense scored more points than the offense. And I would normally pick on you and say that's a typical Bears game, but I can't say that this week because Mitch Trubisky had a very good game <laughs> yesterday. So I will just say that, you know, you can't rely on your defense to score two touchdowns every week the way that the, the Washington football team did yesterday in beating the 49ers. And over the next three weeks, Seahawks, Panthers, Eagles, I mean, you're getting to the offense to hold up at least some end of the bargain and at least score a couple touchdowns against the Seahawks. So I think for me, you know, if Alex Smith can get back 100% and be on the field for that game in Week 15, we know that team is good enough that they can beat some of the best teams in football. And the Seahawks have had struggles on that offensive line. So to me, I think this division right now kind of comes down to that Week 17 game where it's Washington at Philly. And it might be Alex Smith versus Jalen Hurts, which I don't think anybody was expecting heading into the season. But, hey, I mean, 2020 has been a strange year. Uh, that is an understatement. Bill, we're out of time, so you have uh, one sentence or less on this last question. Uh, are the Steelers a good enough team to win a playoff game? Yes, of course they are. Oh, all right. All right, we're not that down on the Steelers then. You're not You're not that down on the Steelers. You still have them. Okay, all right. Well, uh, we'll get into more of that as the season goes on. Bill, thanks so much for the time. Enjoy Monday Night Football. Thanks, buddy. Bill Barnwell of the Bill Barnwell Show podcast. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive's Home Insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. Coming up, potential Super Bowl preview coming up next Sunday. And one of the players involved joins the show next on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. You know that our producer, Stosh, will take any excuse to talk about the Chiefs. And isn't it just lucky for him that they keep rolling 12-1 and one. This isn't how it's supposed to go after you win a Super Bowl. No hangover whatsoever for KC. Uh, they're doing it again this year, and helping them along is defensive lineman Derek Nottie, who joined us after the Super Bowl, talked about all the dogs he was helping out with their wins, and he's back. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain. Fitz will be back in just a bit. Uh, Derek, uh, fifth straight AFC West title. This team is rolling. Was there any doubt early in the season about what it feels like to try to come back and win again after a Super Bowl run? 
Uh, <clears throat> no, ma'am. Um, uh, at the end of the day, everybody's goal is to make the Super Bowl, but for us, uh, we are really main, um, really focusing on what is the objective that current week. Just to make sure we stay focused on the task at hand, we um, uh, try to organize everything to focus on just the one week after one week after one week. What happens in a game like that game against Miami where suddenly uh, Patrick Mahomes, $100 million man, doesn't look completely superhuman? Are you all looking around at each other like, wait, you're going to make us have to make up for you in this one? <clears throat> nah. <laughs> um, one thing about one thing about um, our, our guys in our, in our locker room, we don't point fingers. We're not saying, "Oh, bro, you got if we if you do business in this, you'd be better." No, it's more just okay. That happened. Situation. Football is a situational sport. Things gotta happen. Every player, every player's got a bad game, and it's it's up to us as teammates to have our teammates back if they're if they're going down. Ever having a bad game, so when it happened, they're like, "Okay, we got you. Don't worry about it," and we just kept rolling. Well, you guys are rolling, and uh, it's it's been fun to watch and to see how you've played different teams differently. Without giving up any secrets, I'm curious what Coach Reed is telling you guys week in and week out in terms of, uh, you know, is it a surprise to you how different the game plan looks, uh, or does it feel similar to last year? Because it looks more different to me this year, depending on the team you're facing. <clears throat> That's, a, that's an interesting question. Uh, when it comes to when it comes to the the, the mindset of what goes on inside of Aaron, uh, Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, I wish I knew because they are. <laughs> when it comes to uh, when it comes to a scheme for the offensive for the offensive side, they are mad scientists. Anything can happen, and it's it's it makes me really be happy that. I'm on their team. And I don't have to <laughs> to prepare to face down because it's a little bit of a headache sometimes. Yeah, I think you nailed that. Yeah, I can't imagine trying to watch game in and game out and trying to figure out what they're going to bring against you if you're an opposing team. Derek Nadi, Chiefs defensive lineman, with us here on Spain and Fitz. You get the Saints next Sunday. Speaking of next having Sunday. to adjust, it's probably not going to be Drew Brees. We haven't heard that yet. But how different is it for you when you're looking at a game where you're not quite sure yet who the quarterback will be? I mean, in this situation, whether it's, it's whether it's Drew Brees, uh, lucky number seven, or Jameis Winston, mm-hmm. uh, we really just gotta treat it all the same. Both are really good. Both are uh, honestly are really good quarterbacks for their position. Uh, so we just gotta treat them all the same. Whether it's one of the three, we still got a game plan. Yeah, and obviously a good Saints team with a great coach who can make it work with any of those guys. Uh, Derek, in the last couple weeks, um, the defense has struggled to close games, right? Giving up touchdowns on the final possession against the Raiders, against the Bucks. Uh, your buddy, the Honey Badger, said he wants to see the defense be able to close the coffin. What are you seeing late in games, and why do you think there's been a struggle to finish strong? <clears throat> that is a good question. <laughs> I feel like it has to do with a lot of times when it gets close to the game. I feel like and any player's um, mentality, a lot of times they kind of get like a like um like a word I'm looking for, like a physical. I'm probably saying it wrong. No, but you like, got a it. A lot of times, yeah. um, okay, like in the fourth quarter, a lot of times we still revert to the things we prepared for um throughout the week. A lot of things where it gives a little tell of what's going to happen. So like a lot of times. After a half, a lot of teams try to just change up their scheme a little bit so that way they get the upper hand. And I feel like um, a lot of these coaches bring up new type of game, new a new game plan for that second half. And I feel like a lot of times it just catches people slipping sometimes. Do you think that mentality has anything to do with being twelve and one and and getting all these W's? Is it hard to keep that really you know passionate focus at the end of a game? Um, I mean, me personally, I can't really speak for anybody else because, like, I've, I've learned really, really fast when, as soon as I got into this league. Winning a football game is not easy ever, regardless of who you face. Uh, it's always it's always smart to really stand your toes when you're facing the phone because you never know what they'll bring out of the hat. 
Absolutely. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain here on ESPN Radio talking to Chiefs DL. Derek Naughty coming off yet another win. Um, I love what you do with the dogs. You did it um, after the Super Bowl win. You paid for 108 dog adoptions. Now you're teaming up with the KC Pet Project and covering adoption fees for every win. And I love that it involves actually posting the dogs to your account. Are you hearing back from from the rescue places that each of these dogs, when they find a home or, or if they find a home after you post about them? <clears throat> yeah. Um, in fact, one of the dogs, I feel bad because I forgot who it was. Like the, the day I posted it, the very next day he was adopted. Like uh, he was so fast. That's great. How many dogs do you have? Oh, I only got... I only got two. I can't go past two. Two is my limit. Got Why is that? I got I got but... three. You can do three. You got enough room in the bed? What? Yeah. Hold on, hold on. You say you got three. I don't know. I feel like that's a lot right there because I don't know. Three, I feel like I'm going to lose control. Because, like, with two, <laughs> I'm already a handful myself. Because, like, one, one of them is just wants all the attention and one yeah. is very clingy. So it's just, it's a lot sometimes. <laughs> I'm just letting you know that it's possible, and if you see one of these, like, I don't know, that Hendrix that you just posted, that dog is is fire. That dog should probably just go home with you instead of somebody else. That's all I'm saying. Hendrix, <laughs> Hendrix looks like he belongs to the Super Bowl champ. Uh, I also saw you were posting about your naughty or nice sweatshirts. <laughs> Tell me about your gear. This is so great. Oh, so the sweater. Honestly, that's been my idea for uh, about a year now. I was thinking about that last year, but I kind of just pushed it, pushed it aside. Um, the guy who really who made them, uh, he he did a really good job with the fabric as well as you know getting it all put together. Um, there's no real reason why I wanted to do it. I just thought it was kind of cool. I have my own little sweater for the holidays. It was kind of easy with my name, you know. So I just like, yo, let's roll with it. I feel like people are going to love it. I like it. I like it with the snow angel. Very festive. Everybody needs a good uh, a, a good Christmas sweater, and they get to rep their team at the same time. Uh, Derek Nadi, Chiefs DL, with us here on Spain and Fitz. Um, last question for you. Uh, you guys have any sort of rallying cry around the locker room, or is there like a motto or a phrase you guys are using this year for your run? Uh, I mean, this whole year, people are saying uh, the mantra will be um, run it back. Um, that's what pretty much the whole Chiefs kingdom knows about. That's, that's, if anything, that would be the one. Run it back. That's a good, nice and easy one. Hey, thanks for the time, Derek. Always appreciate it. Great stuff with the dogs and uh, great stuff on the field, too. Thank you. Derek Naughty, Chiefs defensive lineman here. Uh, check him back in with us on Spain and Fitz, and what a surprise, Chiefs back on top. Pennzoil synthetic motor oils are made from natural gas. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Penzo, based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. I mean, I always root for the Chiefs because my guy Dylan McCullough is a running backs coach. Uh, but if Stash continues beating me in this fantasy playoff, I might have to start rooting against them because he, he doesn't deserve that much joy. It's not fair. Uh, coming up, a little bit more football talk as we get you ready for Monday night. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. To Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, hanging out with you on a Monday. Monday Night Football just getting underway between the Ravens and Browns. We'll keep you updated on that. We'll also talk to Northwestern head football coach Pat Fitzgerald coming up in about 15 minutes. But it's time for our weekly check-in with the reactions to the reactions. Yes, we re-react to people reacting to football. It's very meta Uh, And we tell them uh, and you whether it was a good take or a hot take. And we're going to start out with that surprising to some, not as much to me, Eagles win over the Saints. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson on KJ and Z this morning talking about how Doug Peterson avoided being too complimentary of Jalen Hurts because he was looking out for Carson Wentz's feelings. You don't want to kick a man when he's down. Giving him his flowers is just stepping on Carson Wentz even more. And I don't think you need to do that. We all know that Jalen Hurts is a starter moving forward, and you're going to take this thing week to week. Next week, you'll come out on Wednesday or Tuesday, and you'll say, hey, Jalen Hurts is the starter moving forward when you have your presser. The game is just ended. So I don't believe that he needed to say anything. It speaks for itself. If you watch that game and you don't realize or understand that Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback probably the remainder of the season, then you don't know what you're looking at. 
minutes. Hot take or good take? That's a hot take. I mean, <laughs> do we really think so? To be clear, you already sat down with Carson Wentz and delivered the message that he's not going to start. You already sent the message to the entire locker room that the problem is not the coaching, the play calling. The problem is Carson Wentz by giving Jalen Hurts this opportunity. And now's the moment you're going to worry about Carson's feelings? Why? It doesn't even make sense to try and add that portion up. So I, I, I can't believe that Doug Peterson is sitting there holding his tongue because in this moment he's worried about a sensitive Carson Wentz. I uh, This is such a hot take, but I just wish we could isolate um, the reaction from Jay Williams right afterwards when he goes, uh, (laughs) because that's how I felt listening to this. Suck it up. You're a very, very highly paid. In fact, the highest paid player in the NFL right now. And you didn't get it done. So you're on the bench. And if your coach needs to talk about how well the guy who replaced you played... That's totally cool and allowed. The idea that we would need to protect the feelings of someone who is a, is a grown adult and knows what's going on. There's no more pain that he will feel by giving an accurate summary of what happened. Like, that's just so wild to me. And imagine, I, I don't know why it made me think of this, but the idea that we're always talking about how tough guys are. If we said this about a female athlete in any situation, the, the menchies would be miles long. And the idea that anyone would argue that that is a rational take on this is beyond me. I feel bad for Carson Wentz. I really do. But that that should not be reflected in whether or not the coach gets to talk about what we all just watched. That's wild to me. Uh, sticking with this game, Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, was on the morning show with KJ and Z and talked about how positive play from Hertz actually helps them in their situation in terms of trying to deal with Wentz and Jalen. I see this as an opportunity because you have to sit there in, in the offseason and say, hey, do we have two quarterbacks that are winning quarterbacks? Because if we do, somebody else is going to want to acquire one, and hopefully we can get substantial value. Okay, hot take or good take here? The, scorching. I mean, and Tannenbaum <laughs> is, is usually not a hot take guy, but th- like this is hot. <laughs> fiery hot like this is this is out of my I'm out of my mind with all of the takes on Carson Wentz and any value because what he's saying there is that somebody would want to trade for Carson Wentz like value has to assume both sides not only that the Eagles don't want Carson Wentz signed that's one part of the equation maybe that's true and the better that Jalen Hurts plays the more likely that the Eagles are comfortable moving on but to take the opposite side of it so you're telling me that Jalen Hurts beats out Carson Wentz and somehow that helps Carson Wentz trade value because somebody's going to want to have to give up massive equity and pay the man. That's not going to happen. For anyone to imply that there's trade value for Carson Wentz does not actually take into account the fact that somebody would have to be willing to give something up for Carson Wentz. No one in the NFL will do that. Yeah, I mean, it's a good take in the sense that, yeah, you want one of your quarterbacks to play well. So if Jalen Hurts is playing well, that's a hell of a lot better than putting Jalen in to replace a failing Wentz and having Jalen suck too. But it doesn't help you get rid of Wentz. All it does is say, hey, look, the team is bad, but they're not as bad with Jalen, which means a lot of it was Wentz's fault. You know, Jalen Hurts didn't get sacked once in that game, and Wentz has been taken three or four every game. Yeah, it doesn't help point. you sell anyone on Wentz. It doesn't. It, it, in fact, it might even hurt in, in that you see someone else finding success with the exact same setup. So, unfortunately, that's a hot take. And, and what does everybody uh, always say, by the way? The minute they know that some that a team's actually ready to move on from a player, you never trade for him. You wait for him to get right, cut. There's no leverage there. That you wait whatsoever. for him to get cut, and they're not exactly. going to cut him because he's got a fifty-nine dead uh, million dollar dead cap hit number. Yeah, he'd be the backup if anything before they would just get rid yep. of him for nothing. It's good take or hot take. We react to the reactions after another weekend in the NFL. Dan Orlovsky, one of our favorites. In fact, I think we're going to try to have him on this week and play a little game with Dan involving many of the different times that we have used him for good take or hot take. He's always coming through with the takes. Uh, He was on Get Up today and talked about the Bills and their position in the AFC. Stop the Buffalo Bills doubt. They're the second best team in that conference and the only one that has a chance to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, so he said a lot more than that, but we limited to just that because that's the take I want to get into. Good take or hot take that the Bills are the only AFC team you can see upending the Chiefs. Now that's a hot take. And, you know, the funny thing to me, I haven't given a good take yet. Uh, the funny thing to me about <laughs> that is that it was only a few weeks ago 
that everybody was saying, oh, man, the the Chiefs would be scared to play the Raiders, and now the Raiders are absolute hot garbage. But I, I even heard Field earlier today say, you know what, the Dolphins are the team nobody's going to want to play in the playoffs. Like, but there is a level of how do you beat the Chiefs? You control the clock. You control the ball. You manage to keep your offense out there as much as possible, and you gash the defense in ways that you can. One of the teams playing tonight is capable of doing that, and that's the Browns. I mean, as much as we've questioned Baker Mayfield, they've got two running backs that can get after it and can gash any defense. So I look at the Browns as a, a team, frankly, if that's if we're talking about the build to beat the Chiefs, the Browns are in that category also. Ooh, that's an interesting one. I actually think this is a good take. Oh, good. Yeah, I, I don't see the Browns. We'll see how they fare tonight against the Ravens, but you you know I've been I've been dead set on that stat from Bill Barnwell that that matchup with the Titans was misleading. It was the perfect matchup for a team that uses a ton of play action. It actually disguised a lot of the issues that they've been plagued by all season long, and it's the only real good win they've got. All the other wins, other than that Titans win, were against teams with a combined 190 win percentage as of two weeks ago, and they were getting thumped by teams that were any good. So I got to see more tonight. I don't think it's the Browns, and I do think it's the Bills. Now, I would like to look up the explosive plays from the Bills. I don't have that offhand because, as we talked to Barnwell about, I think, last week, one of the only ways that he thought the Dolphins could keep pace would be to try to beat them with the big plays the way the Raiders did. I haven't been able to know. Uh, I haven't looked up whether that's something that's pretty common for the Bills this season or not. But that- I have to look at how often they go big because we do know, based on what we've seen from Josh Allen, that he's either forgetting how to football or crushing you with massively impressive and very aggressive play. Uh, so I see that as a really good matchup uh, and would give the Chiefs a, a real run for their money. And, and by the way, quickly, when you mentioned explosive plays, ding, 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 the light goes off. The Titans are also on the list. I mean, last year they were among the league leaders in explosive plays over 20 yards. This year, again, they're among the league leaders. And by the way, they have the best running back in the NFL. So I realize that their defense is a liability. But if we're just talking about beating the Chiefs, that offense can absolutely do it. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. were presented by Progressive Insurance. Last quick one was going to be Mike Tannenbaum talking about how Trubisky's play makes things more difficult. And I just want to get out there and say, that's a hot take. It should not make anything any more difficult. That was a trash, hot garbage Texans defense. I'm happy for Mitch Trubisky. I think he's a hardworking kid and he really cares and he tries hard, but he's just not that talented. The Bears cannot run it back with Trubisky and Foles. No. Thoughts? You're right. I just was giving you room right there. I was giving you room. Hey, can we just clip off thoughts? You're right. (laughs) And that's just, I want to play it anytime I need it. Uh, Coming up, we'll get to Pat Fitzgerald. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Even if you hang out with us during the show, sometimes you get some awesome bonus content that you can only get on the podcast so wherever you get your podcast get out there and subscribe to the spain and fitz podcast we're going to uh have a little bit of fun now talking to somebody i'm really excited for this one we're going to head over to the shell penzo performance line where we are joined by northwestern head football coach pat fitzgerald don't forget saturday at noon eastern the big 10 championship game obviously northwestern taking on ohio state coach congrats on a great season for you guys and and really making it through such a difficult 2020 we appreciate your time and you know i want to start directly uh, so many people have been yelling about uh, the Big Ten's decision to let Ohio State play in the Big Ten championship game as their opponent. How did you feel about that decision? Well, uh, good evening, and thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's been a, a fluid year. <laughs> I think that would be the, the word <laughs> of 2020 would be would be fluid. And, um, you know, I think when we started uh, the campaign that, uh, the, to play this season, there were decisions that were made based on uh, the, the, you know, kind of plan that we had. And, and if, if you aren't willing to adjust in 2020, then I don't know what's going to ever force you to adjust. So uh, the Big Ten uh, ADs and presidents and chancellors and, and the Big Ten office made a decision. And, you know, to Ohio State's credit, they're undefeated. They've beaten everybody that they've played. And, you know, some things out of their control have forced them to play a limited amount of games. But Um, you know, they've won all the games they can play, and in my opinion, they deserve to be in the championship. Coach, was there any thought to canceling your game last weekend so you could balance the bye weeks? Absolutely not. One million percent no, (laughs) Uh, Sarah, as you know. uh, You know, the Atlanta-Lincoln rivalry is a big game to us, and, um, 
no, we, we were focused on, on, uh, on beating our rival and, uh, to our players credit, uh, they were really focused. You know, we had a tough game against Michigan state. We made mistakes. We had some things not go our way. Um, and, and then we were getting ready to, you know, you want to get that, that bad taste out of your mouth. And then our Minnesota game, uh, gets, uh, gets, uh, postponed because of the COVID issues that, that, uh, the Gophers were going through. So, uh, no, we wanted to get back out in the field and, and, uh, just proud of our guys to get, uh, Six straight win against our rival. We're talking to Northwestern head football coach Pat Fitzgerald. So, uh, coach, now you go into a Big Ten championship game, and we talk so much about the college football playoff committee and how they view teams with the limited number of games. But even for you scouting Ohio State, trying to figure out what the best game plan is, how much tougher is it to get ready for this with the limited number of games that they've played? Well, I, I wish that was the only reason why it's tough. You <laughs> pop on the tape and you go, oh, man, <laughs> here we go again. You know, two years ago uh, in Indy, we made a game of it in the third quarter and then gave up some late scores and it got away from us. And last year we did not play very well at all against the Buckeyes and they played incredibly well. So we're going to need to play, you know, first of all, put together a great plan and, and uh, you know, get our guys to have a great week, uh, which I know our guys will put the work in and then, uh, you know, go down and execute and, and give ourselves a chance. Um, you know, they do such a good job early in games. You know, you look at their point totals early in games, and they just knock people out in the first and second round. Uh, so you got to weather that, and, and you got to be able to make it a four-quarter game. Talking to Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald here on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Coach, I know the scheduling uncertainty and, you know, being able to adjust to guys that are available or not has been a big challenge this year. But other than that, What's the toughest or weirdest part of this season? Well, Sarah, you know, I, I, first of all, I, you know, I'm so proud of our players and our staff and our families. You know, we have not had a COVID test positive since we started uh, training camp. And, you know, I, I don't know how many other college football head coaches can say that about their program. And so I'm just so thankful uh, for the sacrifice and dedication that our entire fo- football program has put into it. It's a, it's a it, you know, day-by-day, interaction-by-interaction challenge. And, um, you know, I I would be remiss not to say thank you to all of our health care providers throughout the country that are on the front lines uh, battling this this terrible, terrible uh, virus and the pandemic. And, uh, you know, we we get to go home and, and, you know, the the next shift comes up. And so, and I know there's countless hundreds of thousands of families that have been impacted by this. So we feel very blessed and and we're, we're just more focused on, making good choices, looking after each other, being great family members, and then lifting those up. Because we have you know, a lot of family members, not only of, of mine, but also of, of our players and our staff that are in the medical uh, fields. And, and uh, we, we just lift them up in our thoughts. We're talking to Northwestern head football coach Pat Fitzgerald. So, Coach, I looked back because I thought maybe I'm losing my mind. I looked back at every preseason <laughs> prediction that I could find. And not a lot of people were predicting you guys to have a great year. And you have had an absolutely great year. What did we all miss about this particular team? Well, you go back to if you make all your decisions based on the previous season's record, you're going to a lot of times make mistakes, right, in your predictions. So I, I think it starts there. Um, you know, I think that would be number one. I, we, we've changed offensive schemes. We've got a tra- – a, a young man of Peyton Ramsey that transferred here to, to play for us as a graduate transfer quarterback. That's been the glue that's kept everything together. And then our seniors that, you know, a lot of these guys played in that 18 championship game, just wanted to get that, the, the taste out of our mouth from, from 19 that we just didn't coach well, we didn't play well, but we stuck together. We reestablished our values and, and uh, have found ways to win. And that's, that's ultimately what it's all about. Coach, when you coach as well as you have, and your team does as well as it has, uh, you're inevitably going to come up in some conversations. What do you think when you hear your name floated for the Chicago Bears job? <laughs> that I'm focused on playing Ohio State. Uh-huh. I had a feeling that's what you would say. Yeah, if I were <laughs> if I were to ride that roller coaster, it's a heck of a ride now. Uh, you know, because when you have tough years like last year, you know, I, I couldn't coach my way out of a paper bag. So, you know, you, you just are thankful for the for the uh, commitment. Uh, and, the, and the support and, and uh, everything that Northwestern has done for our program. And, you know, selfishly for myself and my family, just really thankful. And, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're just so excited to take the, the purple back to Indy. And, you know, it's been 20 years since uh, we, we uh, shared a championship uh, with Coach Walker. And, 
you know, it's the 25th anniversary of, of the Rose Bowl team that I played on. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying to drum up all the positive mojo, right? As we go into this game. <laughs> I, I mean, so, uh, I, look, coach, to... the real of it is you've got to answer the question the right way. We've got to ask it, right? I mean, yeah, it's just I gotta ask it's inevitable. It. Yeah. Like we got to go through it. Uh, you know, Sarah and I often together, we, we refer to ourselves as having a little bit of the party voice sometimes, you know, like, mm-hmm. cause we're both yeah. loud talkers and I, I yell a lot at my TV. So I feel like we're raspy. You, you sound a little raspy coach. Like uh, the, the voice going to hold up for the, I mean, you got a big game this weekend. The voice going to be able to handle it? Yeah, you're getting the Monday evening voice, you know, especially <laughs> that's with uh, trying to coach in uh, pouring rain at 35 degrees with a mask oh. on, looking like the abominable snowman on Saturday. So, <laughs> yeah, no, my, my voice takes a little bit of a, of a beating during the year, but that's uh, I've got a line around here. You have to excuse my passion. So I, I uh, try to coach our guys up as, as, as hard and as fun as, like, as much fun as we can have. And uh, it's just I'm really proud of our guys really proud of the staff and uh what a great opportunity we have here in front of us huge challenge i mean we like it i mean we like the party voice it's welcome around here it makes us you know we all sound very passionate as you would say uh hey quickly uh, question for you what's your reaction to uh um to jim phillips being named the new acc commissioner the the ad that over there at northwestern yeah static for jim uh you know, I, I thought we were going to lose him uh, to the Big Ten office a couple of years ago in their search, and um, we dodged uh, losing him there. And, and now to see the choice that the ACC made, they couldn't have made a better one. He's uh, an unbelievable person. He's a terrific leader, and um, he, he cares about the student-athlete experience. And, you know, he's made such an impact on our 500-plus student-athletes every year, and now he he gets an opportunity to go make that type of impact for 9,000 plus student athletes in the ACC. And, you know, being a really important role in, in college football, there's five power five commissioners. Uh, they, they, they carry uh, a, a lot of weight uh, when it comes to uh, the student athlete experience in, in, in the college football game. And, and uh, I know he'll do just an absolutely terrific job. They hit a grand slam and I'm going to miss them as, as, I know he's my boss, uh, but uh, more importantly, he's a friend, a colleague, and someone that I've learned so much from. So gonna going to really miss him, but uh, going to really enjoy these last uh, few months with him. Coach, we appreciate your time. It's been a blast to watch your team play this year, and really spectacular work by you and by all the kids uh, that represent the school. Really great having you on. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, hopefully next Monday we've got a better party voice because that'll be a real yes. party voice when That's we win. Right. So, Coach, do us uh, proud. Yeah. We, we need it in the city yeah. of Chicago, so uh, let's go out and get that win. All right, sounds good. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and to all of our great Wildcat fans, go Cats. Thanks. Thanks, Coach. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Obviously, Sarah, you you love the program being so close to it. Even as somebody for me, when I sit here in conference rooms all day Saturday and watch games, there are certain guys that have that it factor that you just Mm want to watch. He is absolutely one, and the way his team plays every week is just it's spectacular. It gives me goosebumps. So we totally agree. They're sort of like my adopted team because I it, Cornell's far to go. So a lot of times Northwestern will have me come talk to classes about journalism and sports and stuff like that. So I, they're kind of like you know they're like my little secondary, my side piece. You can, you can give me some swag from there. It's constant. <laughs> yes, I it's do. Constant. I have some swag. No, oh, but no. can you get me some? I don't care about your swag collection, sir. I care about mine. All right, coming up, we'll get to some of your suggestions for the new Indians nickname, and uh, we'll get you caught up on the Monday Night Football game. That's all next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, Monday Night Football going on right now. There's about 40 seconds to go in the first quarter. Game tied up at seven apiece in a game that it feels like the offense on both sides has just been right on the cusp of making things happen, and it hasn't necessarily worked. Cleveland with the ball right now, uh, so we'll see right now. They've uh, they've run the ball five times, and they've passed the ball 11. A little surprising to me early in the run-pass balance considering how good their running attack is. But, uh, Sarah, right now they're driving, and they've got the ball at about the 23-yard line Cleveland does. So uh, this is a big, big game for both uh, both sides. It absolutely is, and it's going to be a big indicator of where we swing in our latest mood swings on Baker Mayfield. Oh, God, uh, yes. He has perhaps been the most uh, focus, the biggest focus of our mood swings this season where people have said – as much as to say the Browns need to move on, he's never going to be the guy. 
to other people really praising how he's played of late. This performance against this defense, even if it's not at completely percent, uh, 100% is still going to be a big decision maker, I think, for a lot of folks on, on how they swing there. And and then there's this sort of reasonable balance in my mind where I, I know that, you know, fiery hot takes are good, but at the same time, I keep looking at this Cleveland team thinking particularly, Baker Mayfield's a pretty good quarterback, and he's got a head coach that's given him a system where that's all he needs to be is a pretty mm-hmm. good quarterback. So realistically, and, and I, I think, you know, you can look last year at Jimmy Garoppolo, right, with the 49ers and how the, the 49ers weren't in the Super Bowl because of him and they weren't out of the Super Bowl because of him either way. Like that's sort of where Baker is. Baker's just, he's pretty good quarterback, but kudos to Steven, Kevin Stefanski who's built an offense that, frankly, with all these weapons, they don't need Baker to be Aaron Rodgers. They just need him to be pretty good and they'll win football games. Well, I mean, I think we can never underestimate the impact coaching and play calling has on whether we think a quarterback is any good. And we've seen it in very, very, very specific examples. We all remember what it looked like um, for Goff when he, you know, got McVay on his side. Um, But I think there's so much that even the experts can look at and not truly know about how a quarterback is being aided or held back by the people who are calling the plays and working with them on an everyday basis. And and that's why, you know, every time anyone asks me about Sam Darnold, I'm like, I have no idea. I'm not even going to lie and make something up. I have no idea what the deal is with Darnold outside of that terrible Jets team. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I just think that at some point, we become so consumed with whether or not our quarterback is good without realizing that maybe the, the real conversation is, is the team any good? Like, right mm-hmm. now, the, the Browns are sitting at 9-3. and three, And you're right. It may be a house of cards. I think there's – I shouldn't say house of cards, but they may not be nearly as good as their record is, which is an important conversation, much like we were having with the Steelers a few weeks ago. And then all of a sudden, the wheels fall off, and it's like, well, we're not that surprised by it. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Browns come back to earth a little bit. I just think yeah. when you look at the, the roster as a total whole – this is a very good football team. And as right. long as like it doesn't really matter to me whether Baker's a franchise quarterback or whether he's just okay. The the Browns are still going to be a very good football team. Well, and speaking of of Cleveland, the, the thing that we've always wanted for them is to be able to enjoy it. And the only thing that stinks about the back and forth on Baker is that this is such a success for Cleveland and for the Browns that we we've like flipped all the way past the can they get a win to being super critical of a team that's playing really well, that seems to have found its head coach and probably its quarterback, which is huge. Uh, so I want them to be happy with that. And uh, and while we're on Cleveland, by the way, earlier uh, when we asked people about nicknames for the, for the Cleveland Indians, the baseball team, which is going to change its name, we got some really good ones. Uh, a lot of people said Cleveland Rocks. A lot of people said the Cleveland Spiders, which we talked about earlier, which was an old-time name from way back. A lot of people said the Cleveland Steamers. I think they mean uh, train engines. Mm, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. sure. Uh, but Definitely couple, train engine. A couple good ones I liked. Uh, this was on the Spain and Fitz Nation. At Richard Healy 1 hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. At Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. Moondogs, because Moondogs Cleveland, it was the location of Freen's Freed's Moondog Coronation Ball, often credited as the first major rock and roll concert. So the Cleveland Moondogs sounds a little minor league, which, by the way, is probably apropos for the team. Sorry, Cleveland. Uh, But it's pretty cool. Like the idea that it ties into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame without being just too obvious. Like, I kind of like the Moondogs. Yeah, Moondogs does have a very uh, minor league baseball feel, but at the same time, all I think about is every time I go to a minor league baseball stadium, I spend money because like yeah. their mascots are amazing cool. logos. Yeah. Everything's great. Uh, graphics. Yeah. I'm all the in. The Moondogs would be fire. I, I really like that one. Uh, at Gerald H. Martin, also with some news from Spain and Fitz Nation, hitting us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Uh, speaking of fires, he went with the River Fires, uh, <laughs> which uh, somebody tried to spin us. A couple of people had uh, the 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 river fires or some variation and said it was a positive that it's tough to light a river on fire. And also they survived and, and, and kept going beyond that unfortunate moment. So um, I don't know if they're going to buy that one uh, at Justin Canelli uh, wrote the Cleveland, Washington football team. Uh, somebody also wrote the Cleveland, Washington football team, baseball team, uh, both really great. Uh, and I think my favorite are the followers who know me the best uh, at Jeff Norman 90 went with the runner ups, uh, which is particularly appropriate for, I don't know, 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Born to Run 99 went with the Cleveland rain delays. 
uh, which is a, one of the best memories of my life. Uh, and I think they would want to uh, obviously commemorate the rain delay uh, during that Game 7 of the World Series in 2016 when the Cubs won the World Series. Do you guys remember when that happened? That was cool. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I'm all in on most of these nicknames. Like, this is a real opportunity. I kind of like most of them, but I think it speaks to something you called me out on earlier that's right. Like, I I found myself to be a little bit critical of whatever the concept was going to be around the Washington football team, although I still think the hogs with the cute, adorable little pig would be absolutely great. Uh, it has to be adorable, though. But I will say What about the taters? The taters? Yeah, like redskin potatoes. Oh, wow. wow. I don't think it'd be good because I think you would still end up having too many people take advantage of using the old name, and you need to get real far away from that, that is to fair. discourage people from you know continuing to wear any of the gear or using that name. But I just think taters is cute. Like uh, well, a little, little potato with a little eyes and a little smile. I mean, I, I yes, a little potato would be adorable, <laughs> but maybe it because I'm not a baseball purist, it, it just hits me less if the name's going to be like I've seen some suggestions online of things like the Cleveland Crows and I'm like oh yeah I kind of like that you know I'm, I'm all in the Cleveland Lakers because the crows have eyes <laughs> and they are using them bring it Moira let's go <laughs> uh, you know I, I think there's actually there's a really big marketing opportunity so my question is for the next year do we continue to call them the Indians or do we like do we just because you were ahead I think of the I'm curve. moving right on to Cleveland baseball team because now that they're saying that they're changing it and I know that I, I don't care if they're using it for a year I think I just want to start calling them the Cleveland baseball team I want to get the process going I mean because you were ahead of the curve like you were using Washington football team long yep. before anybody was and I you know was not and and then now I've found myself used to that to me once they made the admittance that this is not appropriate like I don't know why we keep using it so I'm I'm all in I th- I think. I think maybe I make the change, and it's just a Cleveland baseball team, and we'll go with that for the foreseeable future. You guys can keep your uh, your suggestions coming. It, it, it at least makes us laugh. Uh, and anything adorable, I'll take. I, like the Cleveland Cub. No, no, Wait that's already taken. <laughs> Hold on. Cubs are adorable. Blasphemy. Cubs, all right. Uh, Freddie Fitzsimmons coming up next. He'll keep you updated on the Monday Night Football game. Thank you so much for hanging out with Spain and Fitz. We appreciate it. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.